Cold pizza Tuesday. Tuesday. I got food up in the fridge. Hey. Welcome back to Book It. Finally. Well, you're back. It's, I'm back. Yeah. We're doing a comedy. We're doing a funny book. Like, I've been waiting for this. Like we've had some guests and we've had some, and then we've done like so many serious books. So we're going to get our funny bone going. We're doing Laughter House 5 today. I saw your email. Slaughterhouse 5, Matt. Slaughterhouse. Not Laughter House. It all, but it is a comedy of sorts. Oh. Slaughterhouse 5. Yeah. By Kurt Vonnegut. I didn't see the S. Why didn't you see the S? I thought it was Laughter House 5, which it would also that be is, a good name for a comedy I, club. my pinky was right there. That's less funny. Slaughterhouse is less funny than Laughter House. Yeah, it's just one little letter, isn't it? That it explains the, because I saw the cover of yeah. the book you sent me and I didn't, okay. Funny Bones, maybe. I, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Uh, so I'm ill-prepared. I had like jokes You'll be planned. Fine. and Okay, so. The, he would love it. Okay. Yeah, throw the jokes in. Who's he? Uh, the author, Kurt Vonnegut. We've done a book by him before. Love Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, short stories. Yep. I hated Kurt Vonnegut. Wait, why? Oh, well, I don't. You just said love, then you switched Well, I didn't have hate. a reason. It's just like you read one thing or hear about someone, you just kind of get a vibe and then you think it's cool to not like them or something. I don't know. It was based on nothing. They make you read stuff in high school and then you base your whole life's opinion. I read a thing the other day. I was talking about Nathaniel Hawthorne, a book we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a Scarlet Letter. And it was talking about the movie made on that, uh, Easy A or something like that. It's a modern movie, popular. And they're like, it took this terribly boring, terrible, forget everything you know about Nathaniel Hawthorne. This thing is actually oh, good. Okay. And all this stuff. And I was like, we just read that and it was delightful. But I had the same yeah. opinion as that author who wrote that because I was going on my high school opinion of everything the teacher makes me read is boring. Yeah. Kurt Vonnegut fell into that where like teacher made me read it. I don't quite get the jokes. This isn't funny at all. This guy thinks he's smart. He's not. Then as an adult, I think based on you, you made me read some of his stuff. I'm like, this is like one of my favorite humans. <laughs> Like, I'd love to eat dinner with this guy. Yes. He yeah. would be a great person to have dinner with. What do you like about him? Uh, I like his thoughtfulness and his candidness, maybe. Mm-hmm. He's like... He tries to... He just tries to strip everything away and, like, say what he's thinking, and it's great. Well, and he's real scathing. Uh-huh. So you think he's going to be mean, and maybe that's what I didn't like about yeah. him, but and cynical. But then you read stuff about the scathing thing he says, and it's like very human and empathetic, and he's just wrestling. Let me read you what the Boston Globe said, because I think it's saying what okay. you're saying. Poignant about this book, I guess I should say. Poignant and hilarious, threaded with compassion, and behind everything, the cataract of a thundering moral statement. Mm, I said it better. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, s- Laughter House 5. What's it about? It sounds scary. It's about war. Mm. And World War II, he, right? The human condition. Uh, yes. Dresden? Yes. He was there. Yes. So, it's semi-autobiographical and it's semi-science fictiony and it's a anti-war book. Yeah. So, he was there and there's firebombing. Terrible, apparently. Drastic. Uh-huh. They just raised a whole city and people and it was and I think as Kurvonigat was there and mm-hmm. so now he's writing about those experiences. But you said that some of it's sci fi, so Yeah, there's time travel, there's aliens. Oh wow. 
there's, I haven't read this. Yeah. This is real exciting to me. It's fantastic. You should read it. Um, well, I, I noticed like the font is massive. And so I was like, yeah, that seems like a book I could do. <laughs> it is. And there's a couple pictures in here too. So that helps. I wish his name was Font Vernegut instead of Kurt Vonnegut. Because the font's so big. Like All I noticed was the font. Okay. So the book, he's there. Or someone's there. Tell us about the character. Tell us about the plot. Tell us anything you want to tell us about this. This is a classic book. It is a classic book. Uh... Let's see, where to start? Main character is Billy Pilgrim, who's probably one of the iterations of the author himself. Um, Billy is an optometrist. Billy gets drafted into the war. Billy becomes... He becomes an assistant to the chaplain uh, on the front lines, I guess. like Dwight Schrute. Yeah. Assistant to the chaplain. He's not assistant chaplain. He's an assistant to the chaplain? Uh, he's assistant chaplain. He assists the chaplain. Okay, and he's That's fine. He's pretty against being there. I mean, he doesn't want to be there. Who wants to be there? Well, actually, a few characters seem to. But, um, yeah, Billy just wants to be done with the war. He wants out of it. He wants no part of it. But there he is amidst it. Um, So, yeah. And there's lots of jokes, and there's lots of death, and there's lots of time travel. Hmm. It's a wild ride. We're doing another war book here in a couple weeks called Catch-22. And some of what you're saying— they sound very different, but then also very similar in that there's a character who massively doesn't want to be there, who's somewhat anti-war. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a ton of jokes thrown in and some oddity thrown in. And so yeah. that's kind of what you're hitting. This came before Catch-22, but right? Or was it after? I don't know. Yeah, when was I don't this? know the dates. Let's find out here. Now that's... I wonder if they read each other's stuff. Oh, copyright 1969. After Catch-22. After? Yeah, a few oh. years after. Okay. So, yeah, that's interesting. I think he... I think he wrote this book and then rewrote this book and then rewrote it again like okay. dozens of times. Um, and would just part of it, it seems like was a way to process his experience in the war. Um, and then he just wanted to get it right, I think, as well. And so. this, this like experience, you said experience in the war processing it. He talks about it all the time and he talks about it very little because hard like he carried whatever his experience was with him mm-hmm. and it shows up in some of his other stuff when you read it. But it's always just very like you wouldn't if we went to dinner with him, it wouldn't be a thing we brought up because very real yeah. and very raw. He was always processing this yes. as I guess. I mean, that's probably what you should be with war. War is terrible. Yeah. And um, in one of their conversations, like she's like. You were in the war, right? Why don't you ever talk about it? And like, if I wanted you to talk about it, would you? And he's just kind of like, he just skirts around it. Uh-huh. Um, but meanwhile, that's what the whole book's about. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So you're you're hitting the nail right on the head. Like, it was something he was always thinking about, always wrestling with, but also didn't want to just share a lot about it. Um, mm-hmm. Except for maybe in fiction Yeah, I would think that's true with a lot of people, especially when you think about PTSD or whatever. Like, you you got to pick how you're processing. You need to process it, Mm -hmm. but you need to have the ability to choose. You need to choose who you get to talk to. It's not a thing where it's like, okay, let's. You meet on an airplane, be like, tell me all about your experience. Like, it needs to be they get to choose their how to. I don't know, cope with their trauma. Mm -hmm. For him, it was obviously you said he wrote this and wrote this and wrote this and wrote this. Yeah, that's probably pretty cathartic for him. Anything like glaring stand out to you? So just you're going to think about this book in four years. What's going to be the thing that stands out to you? Is it the prose? Is it the, the, the plot? Is it the oddity? Is it the horror? Like, 
There's a phrase in this book which kind of became popular because it's used so often. Like you said, this book's a classic. Um, so it goes. And he would, the author, uh, would put this basically after any time, after anyone dies. Um, so the story would be going along, someone dies, so it goes. Mm-hmm. Or the story would be going along and someone does something really kind of tragically... I don't know if evil is too strong of a word, but something horrible happens. So it goes. And it's used over and over and over again. And I guess that's what would stand out is that. Hmm. And I think like the Boston Globe said, like it's threaded with compassion and it doesn't seem judgmental, but it does seem like a call to do good, even if the doing of good doesn't go well. Hmm. Because um, so it goes, and you, and you kind of you yeah. Say like so what much. choice do we have? Life is going to happen. Yeah, people are going to die. Things are going to be terrible. Do the best you can, and yeah. then when it like breaks, so it goes. Like it's hard, and you wrestle with that, but then you try and move into the next goodness or something. Yeah, and maybe you can't escape the fate that awaits you, but try and do something of good anyway. Hmm. Like I think is what he's calling for. Um, yeah, but also that these bad things will continue to happen. And it's about like when he's when Billy is chatting with the Tralfamadorians, the alien race that um, he gets mixed up with. Uh, I hate that. When you get <laughs> just mixed up with an alien race, it's always the worst. <laughs> they're pretty interesting. Lost a lot of good years of my life. They're super races. like they have a lot of wisdom mm-hmm. uh, and they basically tell Billy like trying to prevent war. Or the end of the universe is like futile, so don't even try. Um, hmm. Which sounds so hopeless, but I think there's a lot of hope in this book despite those things. So you said they had wisdom, like thirty thousand foot view, I guess. They higher. see they're higher. Yeah, hundred thousand foot view. <laughs> higher. Higher. Wow. <laughs> those Traveladorians. What yeah. do you call them? What do you call Traveladorians? Traveladorians. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but you're yeah. probably not. They can see time all at once as happening all at once. And everything that is happening or ever will happen is happening now and forever type of thing. Wow. It's philosophical. I can't wrap my mind around it, but. I'm on cross-eyed for a second. Yeah. All right. Uh, Anything else you want to share? Are you ready to rate? Oh. You can share a little more if you want. I don't know what else to share. I did notice uh, this is your copy. Um. A lot of dog-eared pages. There's some dog ears. There's some underlines. Yeah. There's some, what is it, whatever this is, where I go, oh, this paragraph. Oh, you do that. Mm-hmm. Do you, you do a curve? A little curve. I do like a little bracket if I do, oh, this paragraph. Because otherwise, your hand gets tired underlining, so I just do a little curve. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, like prose-wise, how would you describe, if someone's never read Kurt Vonnegut, stylistically what comes to mind clipped yeah that's uh, a good way to put it clipped and funny yeah. and dark yeah. i think kind of clean too like i don't know it's There's like no if he's fluff. describing this table he's just going to describe this table and yeah. then he's going to throw in some absurdity you didn't see coming and then he's going to move along real fast and be like why do you describe that table yeah but it's all like punchy it feels real punchy yeah a lot of his jokes surprise me when i'm reading They're like I don't know. Yeah. 
And he might throw in like one thought that you had while you're like, if he was describing you sitting at this table, he'd be like, Matt was sitting at a table. It was black. He thought this. And then all of a sudden you're in it in the next scene mm-hmm. and you're like, wait, why did he tell us what Matt thought there? And why was that thought so weird? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe he comes back to it later, hints at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So we're going to rate this. How we rate on book it is personal pan pizzas. We go five. Greatest book ever. Everyone should read it. To zero, burn the book. And this one, yeah, the firebombings and stuff inspired. Don't don't burn the book. So let's go to one on this one. One to five um, out of sensitivity. Uh, how are you going to rate this? Oh, gosh. I'm trying to keep in mind our producer's wishes as far as pizza. Oh, don't worry about him. <laughs> He's an old fuddy-duddy. He's no truffle Malorian. Truffle Malorian or truffle Malorian. Uh... I'm going to go, I, I don't care. I'm going four and a half. Four and two tenths. Four, four and a half. Four and a half. It might be my- Can we like ring a little bell? Ding, 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 ding. That's like one of our highest ratings ever. Just yeah. want to tell the audience. We, we for a long time, were really Maybe. bad on books. Oh. Like we would do like twos and threes only. Yeah. And then we started feeling bad and started inching up to four sometimes. But four and a half, we haven't gotten there very often. Four and a half. So this is like, one, I would I say, this is one of your favorite books of the year. Yes. Yeah. It's one of my favorite books. And you think people, a lot of people will resonate with it if they try it? Uh, maybe. It can be hard to follow with the time travel, but once you get used to it, I think you're like, well, oh that, yeah, time That's travel. how time travel works. Yeah. Once you get used to it. A little bit of jet lag no early deal. on, but then once you get used to it, it's just <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I think it's very eye-opening, um, very compassionate. Yeah. A wonderful meditation on like uh what to do with the things that we see and experience in this world uh so yeah <laughs> that was too tidy but mm. yes think about time travel go on like it'd be so annoying if you like travel back to medieval times and you're like dang it i forgot my phone yeah and you gotta go well, all the way back toothbrush? to the present tense and then you have to go back because like i do that already and it's annoying but i would uh-huh. think if i was jumping eras Mm-hmm. In ages, like, oh, I'm in the Stone Age. But Shoot, you- my camera. And I go all the way back and then all the Wait, way back. Do, do you think you do that in your, uh, like, in memories? Like, all of a sudden you're having a meal and all of a sudden you're back in the sixth grade remembering whatever. Oh, that kind of time travel. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Could be. Man. Would that be annoying? That's still annoying. Yeah. I just want to pack well when I'm time He's travel. Just annoyed. Once I make the trip, I just want to be there. Yeah. I just want to be where I am. Yeah. Eight hundreds. All right, let's do this. Supplies. Let's bike. Whatever. Bike. <laughs> let's bike around a bit. <laughs> All right. So uh, we do have um, more books to read. So I hope you'll join us. We have another war book called Catch Twenty Two coming up. We have a Wendell Berry a tender read coming up. Um, a place on earth, yeah. Yeah, we got a bunch of books coming up. So we have a few more weeks, so join us, and then we're going to go on a little break. So join us till we go on break. If you don't join us, read Laughter House 5 or Slaughterhouse 5, whatever your fancy is. And we will see you next time. Y'all keep looking for that new wave.